listening to Sunday Sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. But more important than that, there was a fellow who was the premier of what we know, knew at that time as the USSR. His name was Nikita Khrushchev. How many of you old enough to remember that guy? One of the most famous things that I remember, and I remember vividly, with it as a kid, and you know, in our, in our, because there was the Cold War, and it was, it was all about we were going to get bombed, you know, the nuclear attack and all that. And I remember, as as children, we were taught in school for a nuclear attack to, you know, it would be like a fire drill, and you know, they would have a certain bell that would ring, and or the where I grew up uh, and went to school, it was a grammar school, and it was four rooms and two classes in each room, so. We didn't have bells. I mean, we didn't have ringing bells. We had the teacher who would stand up and do this, you know, ring the bell. Yeah, I'm old. And you know what we would do? We'd get down under our desk as if that would help anything. (laughs) But I remember as a child sometimes the fear, the anxiety of our world in trouble. Nikita Khrushchev sat there at the United Nations. He took off his shoe, and he started beating on the desk. This was during the time what was known as the Cuban Missile Crisis, where they had sent nuclear warheads and were sending them to put them in Cuba, which is just a short distance off of our southern coast. And our president, John Kennedy at that time, decided that that wasn't going to happen. And as the ships kept getting closer and closer and closer, our army was getting prepared and prepared. And I remember the fear that was in our country at that time. We're going to war. And we're going to all be killed with a nuclear blast. But just before... They entered the Cuban waters, which would have been basically the U.S. waters. They turned the ships around and went back to Russia. To save face, but you know what? Nikita Khrushchev was a prophet. Because what he said is coming true today. Listen to what he said. We do not have to destroy America with missiles. America will destroy itself from within. We will take America without firing a shot. They will collapse from within. I believe Nikita Khrushchev was a prophet because that is exactly, I don't want to sound doom and gloom here this morning, 
but, but I want to be a realist. That is exactly where we are in our world today and in this great country. We are dying of a terminal illness of cancer called socialism. Marxism. That has slowly but surely crept into the very halls of Congress that have crept into every church house and every White House and your house and my house through the idiot tube, I mean the TV. What is this whole idea? You know, today's socialist agendas, and I believe there is an agenda, is distressing to everyone and anyone who's ever studied socialism and communism. Notice what 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 says. He says, but understand this or know this, that in the last days dangerous times will come. Perilous times. For men will be lovers of themselves, Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Now notice, children, where they put this next one with all these folks. Disobedient to parents. Hmm, that's pretty powerful. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And here is the admonition, and from such people turn away. Then we see in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37, Jesus warns us about the days before his coming. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And listen, I believe Gabriel is licking his lips right now. And he's about to toot that horn. And I really believe that in my lifetime, and, I, and, and really I believe it's imminent. It's, it's absolutely for sure. It's coming. Jesus is coming for his church. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, how, did, how does the word of God describe the days of Noah? It says, every intent of the thought of man's heart was only evil continually. Folks, we're living, I think, in one of the most evil times that there's ever been. Now, I know we can look back at history, and we can see the Holocaust, and we can see, and we're going to talk about some of these things that's happened in some of these socialist countries, and literally millions, millions, and almost, almost a billion people killed because of these types of philosophies. But every intent of the thought of man's heart was only evil continually. As Isaiah the prophet says, that that which was good they call evil, and that which was evil they call good. And I believe we're not far away from the wickedness of Noah's day. 
when everywhere that you looked, they mocked and they made fun of Noah. Noah was obeying God, building the ark of safety, which, by the way, is a perfect picture, an antitype of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, the only hope that this country or this absolute universe has is in Jesus Christ. And today, if you're not saved, you need to get on the, you need to get on the boat. This might be the last sermon I preach, and this might be the last sermon you will ever hear. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not even after a while. Listen, if you need to get saved, come on down. The price is right. Jesus paid it all. Come on down. Listen, we'll stop this service right now if you need to get saved. Because you may be thinking, oh my, you know, everything is going good. My salary has increased. I know gas has increased and all that stuff, you know, but hey, I'm doing okay. Well, let me tell you, this is all, all in preparation for the coming of Christ. There's going to be a system that is put in place that will be a one-world government, a one-world one financial system, and a one-world religious system. And the days will be just like they were in the days of Noah, everybody going about doing their own thing and, and evil everywhere that you look. But then Revelation chapter 13 describes for us who uh, an individual who's going to come on the scene, the Antichrist. I believe with all my heart. I really believe he's alive today. And is in preparation. Just look at our world. You say, well, all oh, they've been saying Jesus is coming back for 2,000 years. Yep. But every minute is a minute closer till he comes. Revelation 13 describes the Antichrist. Notice what he says. He was given authority to rule over how many? Every tribe and people and language and nation. A one world government leader. Notice what Revelation, uh, that's Revelation chapter 13 and verse 7. Notice what it, it says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. It says, Satan deceives the whole world and the false prophet will deceive those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 13, 14. The Lord warns us, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. This is what Marxism and socialism is being set in place, it cheats people through philosophy and empty deceit. Marxist systems have, have led to horrific scenes throughout its history. In fact, 
Karl Marx, born 1836, died 1883, his own family and friends considered him to be demon-possessed. At one time, he attended seminary. He wrote a poem about himself, and here's one line of the poem. Listen to this. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. Now, who in their right mind would want to follow that type of philosophy and vain deceit? But yet our world is full of folks who believe that socialism and Marxism, and yes, I know that they are two distinct things, but one leads to the other. Karl Marx hated Christianity. He had a hatred for Christianity because the church would not help his family at a, at a very difficult time to promote their business. You know what he called religion? He called it the opiate of the people. And for communism and Marxism to succeed, loyalty to the church has got to be replaced by loyalty to the state. On one occasion, Marx described the church as, listen to this, the medieval mildew which must be scraped away. And every successive leader in Marxism and all those totalitarian governments and things that we've seen in our past history, every leader saw organized religion as an enemy and tried to destroy it or manip manipulate it to a point to where they could use it. What, are, what is this thing? So, socialism is totalitarian. Marxism could quickly become totalitarian. Why? Listen to, to uh, some of these statements that I found. Benito Mussolini, who was that guy? Well, he was a Marxist communist leader who took over Italy led them into many great wars, tried to consume every country around them. And notice what he says, and I quote from him. Everything, this is, was his perspective. Everything within the state, nothing outside the state, and nothing against the state. Another individual, Rod Dreher, who who has taught a lot against this totalitarian type of socialism and, and Marxism stuff, notice what he says about today's totalitarianism. He says, it demands allegiance. You either do what we tell you, or we're going to take away your ability to survive. You don't take the shot, you can't have a job. Now, don't look at me and think I've gone crazy here. I am not an anti-vax person. But I am an anti-government 
with totalitarianism saying to any free-born American citizen and especially a free-born child of God who's been set free that says to me that unless you do what I tell you to do, you will not buy or sell or trade and we're going to take away your ability to make a living. That's where we are, folks. By the way, I'm already in trouble. I might as well dig a little deeper. I think this whole mask thing is the same thing. They're even admitting now, admitting now, that most of the masks that we wore, the cloth masks and stuff, that they're about worthless. Face decoration. Well, I don't know about you, but I kind of like to look at people's faces. As ugly as some of them are, they look better than a mask. Mine included. Well, let me give you just some examples and, and no analogy or no example is ever perfect, but I want to give you some examples of what uh, Marxism, uh, communism, socialism, which are all uh, one and the same, uh, what, they, what they look like. I want to give you the bovine economics here. This was done by Benjamin Johnson. Communism. You have two cows. The government takes them both and gives you a ration of some of the milk. Socialism. You have two cows. The government takes one cow and gives it to your less fortunate lazy neighbor. I mean neighbor. Traditional. You have two cows. You want some chickens. You set out to find another farmer who will trade eggs for milk. Makes sense, doesn't it? Capitalism. You have two cows. You sell one of them and you buy a bull. Now, think about this for a minute. There's another example that is older than, than any of us in here, much older. It's called Aesop's Fable. The Ant and the Grasshopper. I encourage you to look that up. What did, what did he say about the ant and the grasshopper? Well, he actually quotes from Proverbs chapter 6 and Proverbs chapter 30. But he talks about how that the ant... Go, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. In other words, you lazy joker that won't work and thinks the government ought to take care of you. Everybody else ought to take care of you. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, in other words, no one making them do it, overseer or ruler, provides her 
supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? And then in Proverbs chapter 30, it says, There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. Aesop's fable uses the ant in telling this fable, this story, of the grasshopper and the ant. The grasshopper just liked to do what grasshoppers do, hop around and just waste their whole summer, waste their whole fall, waste their whole spring. Then winter comes. And the ant through the summer and the spring and the, and the harvest has been out there storing up food and working every day, every day, every day, preparing for those bad days. And so the grasshopper, after he has wasted his life, he has no store, he has nothing saved up, he has no food, he goes to the ant and says, Oh, ant! You have so much food, you need to give me some. And I'll let you read it yourself to find out what the end of the story is. <laughs> but isn't that the way a lot of folks are today? I found something that I thought was quite interesting. If I know how to operate this thing. Let's see. There was an economics professor. How many of y'all taken economics in, in college? Fascinating class. Talk about all the, all the different ways of looking at economics. And in this class, they were studying, and, and, and the, the students just insisted that socialism had to be the perfect way that everybody would be taken care of. And everybody... There would be, there would be a wealth distribution and that everybody would have everything that they needed. And so the professor decided to do a little experiment with the class and to show them what socialism was about. The professor then said, okay, we will have an experiment in this class on this plan. All, this is what's said, all grades will be averaged and everyone will receive the same grade no, so that no one will fail and no one will receive an A. We don't want anybody feeling bad because somebody outdid them. Those that work really hard, you know, we don't want them to have more. So substituting grades for dollars... There were to be several tests. The first, after the first test, the grades were averaged, and everyone got a B. The students who had studied hard were upset, and the students who studied little, man, they were happy. Then there was the second test. The students who studied little had studied even less. And the ones who studied hard decided they wanted a free ride too, so they didn't study and prepare. 
The second test average was a D. From a B to a D. No one was happy. And then the third test rolled around. The average was an F. As the test proceeded, the scores never increased as bickering, blame, and name-calling all resulted in hard feelings and no one would study for the benefit of anyone else. To their great surprise, the whole class failed. And the professor told them that socialism would also ultimately fail because when the reward is great, the effort to succeed is great. But when government takes all the reward away, no one will try to want or succeed. Adrian Rogers said these wise words, You cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealthy out of prosperity. What one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. The, now listen to this. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take away from somebody else. You do know and realize that the, the government does not create wealth. The government has no wealth. So they steal it from you and me and then distributed it so that they can get the votes they need to stay in and do more. You cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. And here's the last one. When half of the people get the idea that they do not have to work, where are we today? Because the other half is going to take care of them. I'm just a little weary. And when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that is the beginning of the end of any nation. Wise words. The... Socialism is, is totalitarian. Notice what else. Socialism has a political trajectory. A political trajectory. They want to destroy history. You know this, this deal we've had over the past several years? People call it cancel culture or whatever they do. Um, they've gone to our history, to the statues, and I'm talking about people who helped found this great nation. And they have tried to wipe out history. That is one of the first steps of socialism and Marxism taking over. And that is to remove history and to revisit history and remake it. Teachers, if you're out there this morning... Folks that are involved in education, I, wanna, I want to implore you, I want to plead with you, 
I want to say to you, teach our children about all of our history. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We need it all. Because if we don't remember history, we're doomed to repeat it. And I want to tell you, there are a lot of things out there that they're taking away that were warnings for us, not being worshipped, but were warnings for us to say, never let this happen again. Don't stand by and be swallowed up in this whole revisionist history stuff. There is a political agenda to destroy the history of this great nation. The 1619 Project. That is a lie from the very pits of hell. It says that our whole revolutionary war that would come later was fought to be able to protect racism and slavery. That is a lie. Our forefathers came to this country with a desire to be able to worship God in the confines and in their own conscience of their heart and not being threatened by government or the government having to say to you, this is the only way you can worship. And one of the founding things of our founding fathers and, of our, and all of our founding documents is the freedom of religion. But they want to destroy our history. The word remember is found 164 times in the Old Testament. Listen to some of these. Remember the former things of old, God said through the prophet Isaiah. For I am God and there is none like me. Remember the things when of old. We need to know our history. Isaiah says, for I am God and there's none like me. Psalm 61.5 says, for you know, O God have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. And then in Joshua chapter 4, and verses 21 and 22, it says, when, when God parted the waters of the Jordan River, a historical event that was impressed on the minds of, of, of Joshua and those who were leading the children of Israel into uh, the promised land, it says, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what are these stones? What is this historical event here? What are these stones all about? He says, then you shall let your children know, saying, because God helped Israel cross over this Jordan on dry land, and God is still in charge. Then Psalm 77, verse 11 says, Surely I will remember your wonders of old. But revisionist historians today are scrubbing our children's textbooks of all that is biblical of Christianity, and they are rewriting our history to suit their own secular and socialist agendas. And if you have any, any way of knowing and, and looking and, and, and making sure that the textbooks that you are using, your children are using, parents, read those things. See what's in there. And if it is not, if it's not what it's supposed to be, then... Stand up and say something and be a part of the new domestic terrorism movement. Amen. Stand up and be counted. Listen, you do not surrender 
your parental rights when those children walk through the government doors of education. You are their parents before they go in. You are their parents when they go in. And you are their parents when they come out and stand up for your children. Be godly parents. This is destroying a generation of people. They want to destroy dissent. I would imagine that when this goes out on YouTube, that YouTube is going to want to shut our channel down. That's okay. I got a big mouth. I can still preach. I don't need YouTube or that tube or your tube. I don't need it. In cultural Marxism, there can be no room for tolerance, zero tolerance. This administration that we have now has sold out to socialism, Marxism. They stand in their bully pulpits. They're in the Washington Redskins. They just changed their names. The Washington what? Washington Commanders. That's perfect. The Washington Commies. They couldn't have picked a better name. I don't know where I was going, but that popped in my mind. But <laughs> There can be no room for tolerance in Marxism. Today, notice what Dreher wrote again, and I quote, I don't know if I put this in your notes or not, but listen to this. Today in our societies, dissenters, find their businesses, careers, and reputations destroyed. They are pushed out of the public square, stigmatized, canceled, and demonized as racist, sexist, homophobes, and the like. And they are afraid to resist because they are confident that no one will join them or defend them. When you first heard of the old idea of Antichrist, and people taking the mark of the beast. I would dare say that most of you were like me and said, hmm, that never happened to me. I wouldn't do that. Well, just look at what's happened in our country the past two years. What you were forced to do. And how that out of fear and fear-mongering, and yeah, that, this, this whole thing about the virus, I'm going to tell you, that's a terrible virus. It will kill you. But there are a lot of things in this world that will kill you. It's just one. But they have used it with their political trajectory to lead this nation into fear and to force people. You see, people will do a lot of things when they are afraid. They will give up their personal rights when they are afraid. And how many of your rights have been stamped on by government officials 
and you and many others and all of us have followed along like little sheep. It's time to stop being sheep. We are children of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We are the mighty marching army of God. Onward, Christian soldier, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. I will bow to no government. I will bow and give no obedience to government. Jesus Christ is my Lord, He's my King, and He is the only one that deserves our obedience and, and our willingness to follow. Now the Bible tells us, in Romans chapter 13, that God has established civil government. But those in civil government are God's ministers, it says. But they are to bear the sword against evil, and what has happened is government has become evil. And they're not going to bear the sword against themselves. They will shut you down. Then we see the destruction of traditional values. Do I need to say what's happened to marriage over the past several years? What our government's done to marriage? Even the Supreme Court saying that same-sex marriage is okay? No, it's not. No, it is not. God created the family. A man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. God is the one who gave us marriage. He's the one who designed marriage. He's the one who wrote the book on marriage. Government did not give us marriage, and government cannot change the definition of marriage, but they have done it because we have stood by and allowed it to happen. And now we've got all of this weirdness and immorality that's out there all over the world, marching down the street with pride. God created the family. And when God desired to create humanity, He created the family through Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And similarly, when God designed to reveal himself in a more intimate way to humanity, he spoke through Abraham's family. And when God chose to take on human flesh, he joined a family through the virgin birth. Socialists know that as long as the family remains strong, socialism will flourish. They want to destroy the family. In fact, the next thing is they want to destroy personal wealth as well. Destroy personal wealth. They want to, they use this phrase. 
Tax the rich. A famous politician wore a dress written on the back of her dress as she swayed. Tax the rich. And she's one of the rich. She is a phony. And you can call her what you want to, but she's evil. Because she wants, and in her district, Amazon was going to provide 20,000 new jobs, and she ran them away. 20,000 new jobs in a, in a district that was really needful and, and needed jobs. These were five-figure and lower six-figure jobs. 20,000 jobs. And she had them cast away. And she wants to tax the rich. And the reason she did it is because she didn't understand what tax credits are. She thought that the government was setting up this new business. No, they weren't. It's called capitalism. The redistribution of wealth. Tax the rich. Do you know, look it up for yourself if you don't believe me, that the 1% that all of them gripe about, I'm, I'm not one of them, and neither is anybody in here, but the 1%, do you know they pay over 40% of the taxes paid in this country? The 1%. There are 40% of people who pay zero taxes every year. And so that puts you and me, the middle folks, being squeezed to death. The redistribution of wealth. Gosh, I could say a whole lot more there, but I've got to get finished. Then they want to destroy all those things that we have. that are there to help us. The destruction of personal wealth, the destruction of individual protection. Defund the police. What a bunch of idiots. I mean, just think about how stupid that is. You want to take away the very... One thing that government is supposed to do, and that's to protect its citizens. We, the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, and ensure what? What's it say? To ensure peace and security. To all generations, do establish and ordain this Constitution of the United States of America. One thing that government for sure is supposed to do, and that should protect its citizens. Look at our borders. Fentanyl coming over by tons. Illegal aliens coming in that are criminals. Now, I'm not talking about, listen... I am for immigration, and next week, 
Pastor Matthew's going to be preaching on immigration and the biblical perspective on it. But I am for legal immigration. Let them come as long as they come with the purpose of coming to this nation to become one of us and not to destroy us. And our government has got wide open borders. Why? Because they want to build up a whole, a whole system of, of people that will vote for them. They want to take away individual protection. But what can we do? Socialism can be triumphed over. I've got to give you these things fast. I'm done. By applying biblical principles. Dr. Al Mohler wrote these, and he, he gave several scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28. Scripture affirms the dignity of work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Don't, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, that's not talking about people who can't work, who are physically unable to work, or who and somehow have infirmities. We are to take care of those. That's our job. But for these lazy, drug-pushing, evil, ridiculous dudes that walk around with their hat turned around backwards and their britches down to their knees and their underwear showing, I want to say to you, get yourself a job! Exodus 22, 7, owning private property. Exodus 20, verse 15, condemns theft. So if, if, if you don't have private property, you can't have theft. So that's what they're doing. They're going, look, what they're doing out in San Francisco. Those store owners out there. They passed Proposition 43 that removes shoplifting from being a crime. And so what did they do? They just opened the doors and people just came in and stole whatever they want to steal. You see, if you eliminate private property, then there is no such thing as theft. That's a part of socialism. Exodus 20, 17 condemns covetousness. Proverbs 13, 22 encourages savings. Proverbs 21, 20 encourages being thrifty. Acts 4, 34 through 37, ownership of land. Matthew 25, 27, investment. Learning to invest and letting your money and your investments work for you. Luke 10, 7, the laborer is worthy of his wages. In other words, work, work, work. Exodus 20, 15, personal property is a human right telling us not to steal. 1 Timothy 5, 8, the family, not the government, should provide primary care for their children. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, the Bible values industry and hard work. Romans 13.1 warms against an atheistic governmental system. So we need to triumph over socialism by applying biblical principles. Then we need by living biblical truth. Proverbs 29 and verse 12, what does it say? If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. Proverbs 12 and verse 22 
Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Then Psalm 101 in verse 7. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. We just wiped out all of Congress. In a country whereby our even form of government called a republic, not a democracy, but a republic based on representative form of government, that our representatives are to be there to represent the areas where they're from. They have become themselves a thriving unit called an oligarchy where they no longer represent the lives of the, of the people and the traditional values and the Judeo-Christian ethic that this country was built upon. They are following their own socialistic agenda and those who are sheep are just following along. And you keep, many people keep voting for these fools and putting them in Congress and putting them in the White House and they are destroying the very nation that you say you love. killing our babies they're destroying our country they're taking away our history but how can we we can do by living biblical truth by following Jesus John 15 and verse 19 by following Jesus if you were of the world the world would love its own but yet because you are not of the world but I chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you I had a professor would always say, every time I'd see him, every morning in class, he'd say, good morning, Brother Ken. How's the world treating you, brother? And what's normal, our normal response? Fine, how about you, professor? He'd say, then you're backslidden, boy. Because the Bible says that we're at enmity with the world. How else can we do? By resisting atheistic government systems. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. What does that, what does that uh, tell us? It says, But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, Read this out loud with me, please. We ought to obey God rather than men. Are you willing to stand up today and obey God instead of man? If you're not, you're becoming a sheep. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory under victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Resist atheistic ideas. And then last, by remembering the way of socialist history. The most recent country destroyed is Venezuela. I don't have time, I'm out of time, to talk about what happened there. But one socialist dictator took over and took the most prosperous, rich nation. In fact, it's GDP was just a, a couple of percentage points below the United States of America. 
He took that and destroyed it with socialist, government, atheistic tyranny. And today, people are starving to death there. Is that what we want for this great country? Listen, God doesn't need the United States of America. I love this country. I'd die for it right now. But the United States of America is not going to get me to heaven. Only Jesus can do that. And so, I would encourage you today that if you're not saved, you know, Dr. David Jeremiah said this, It is time for us to live by convictions, not by convenience. And remember, the battle is the Lord's. And the truth cannot be intimidated. So I want to say to you as truth bearers, don't be intimidated. Don't be obnoxious and aggressive as such. But stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. And if you're not a, a part of the body of Christ, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to tell you it's time for you to stop playing around. Recess is over. This is the day of salvation. You say, well, Pastor, what do I need to do? You need to surrender to Christ. You need to confess the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You need to confess two things. Number one, that you are a sinner, hell-bound, lost without Christ. You are under the burden of your own sin and the condemnation and the dominion of your own sin, and you will be judged by your sin. Or you can come to Jesus and confess Him as Savior and Lord, who paid the price. He who knew no sin took our sin and bore our sin and gave to us the righteousness of God in Him. That's quite an exchange. You'll never find anything better. Surrender to Christ today. Confess Him as Savior. Repent of your sin. And ask Him to come into your heart and life and to be your Lord. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You. That Lord, uh, our service to You and our call to You by Your Holy Spirit is not influenced by government. And it doesn't matter if we lived in a totalitarian government or a socialist government or an atheistic government, which all those things are a part of who we are in this nation today. But it doesn't really matter. You're Lord over all. You save us from our sin, not from government officials. But Lord, we live in this great country that you've blessed us to be a part of that was formed and formulated and built upon your word. So help us, Lord, to be those flag bearers. Help us to be like those truckers in Canada and the United States who are standing up and saying, Freedom! Because it's only through freedom and understanding what you have done for us to give us freedom from our own sin 
that we can really know what it means to be free. So Lord, bless the closing of this service. It's your invitation. It's your time. It's your people. You call them out. And I pray, Lord, we just have the good sense to respond. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.